0: Well, good morning, Life Fellowship. Got to tell you, that last song, the blood of Jesus speaks for me. I got so taken up in that, I almost forgot I had to come up to preach. What a powerful song. Those words were amazing. I hope as you worship, you're kind of digging into theology. And that's, that's one of the important things about, you know, I love this about Jason. When we're singing the songs, they get a theological check before they go through. Because believe it or not, everything you hear on Love is not necessarily doctrinally sound. And but that song had some powerful truth in it, and uh, man, I can't wait till we sing that again. That and I can't even sing, but I enjoyed it. All right, so my name is Dan, I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Life. Welcome, we are so glad to see you. And I want to just pause here and say this thank you to the regular folks at Life Fellowship Church who come here faithfully in season and out of season, and not just on Easter and Mother's Day and Christmas. So can I thank you all for your faithfulness? I want you to know you're an encouragement. I understand, you know, we have the big days, and those are thrilling. We had over 1,100 people. We were using Overflow. The music was over the top last week. I mean, it was just a wonderful day and great celebration. But I also, under- I like meat and potatoes. All right, And i got to tell you, you guys are the meat and potatoes. You're the faithful ones. You're the givers, the servers, the folks that are here because your priorities are right every week of the year. Well, I can't say that because my priorities aren't even wait, wait, uh, right every week of the year. But you know what I'm saying. And I just want to say thank you because I think sometimes you know, we, we, you know we, we look at the big days and think that's reality. No, these, this is reality, and I love reality and I love you folks. So thank you for being here. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. You heard one of our uh, shepherding elders read the passage, and today is our conclusion of this eight-week series that we've been going through. It is finished Dimensions of the Cross, and today as we conclude this, this look that we've been on this journey, and you know, several times this week, I just came in and looked at this. Uh, t- to me, this 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 art, really, that we've got back here, has said so much to me over the course of, of the series as it kind of came together and then last Sunday just was culminated in this this beautiful, dramatic statement piece. I, I hope that you will look at the cross differently than you did two months ago. I hope that when you see a cross or wear a cross or consider the cross, that that there are layers now that maybe previously did not exist. And last week, you know, we looked beyond the cross as simply an instrument of death, and we saw it transition to a symbol of hope because of what happened in the tomb. The empty tomb transformed life or death into life, defeat into victory, despair into hope, a symbol of terror into an emblem of peace. The cross was never the same after the resurrection. It meant something completely different. Satan's greatest desire was crushed on the cross and in the tomb. Reconciliation replaced damnation. Those he hoped to rule would now become ambassadors of he who had destroyed him, Satan. Get that? He hoped to destroy us. He hoped to damn us. He hoped to separate us from the God who created us. And instead, because of the resurrection, you and I are now ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And when you understand the power of that assignment, I believe that it will transform the way you walk and talk and live and invest throughout the rest of your life. So we're going to be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 this morning. I'm infamous for my long introductions, (laughs) which uh, have frequently, or so I'm told, lead to long sermons. Uh, So today I'm going to break my pattern, I'm going to try, and we're going to very quickly jump into this passage of Scripture as we conclude it is finished. We're actually going to kind of approach this passage a little differently because we will all look at the end, and then we're going to go back to the beginning of the passage. You know, this, uh, here, here we go, and I'm going to make my introduction along. But my wife has this habit that drives me absolutely nuts. When she gets a book, she reads the last chapter first. <gasps> Can you imagine? I believe she needs counseling. When she's in charge of the remote and we're watching something on Netflix, she will fast forward it, look to the end to see if it's worthy of watching. And I have to leave the room. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to have a meltdown. and Plus, I'm not going to watch it if I know how it ends and so forth. But we're going to do that kind of with the Scripture, okay? I can be real brave about how I talk about my wife because she comes to the second service, not to the first service. You can, the introduction will be much shorter, the second service. Uh, but anyway, I, I, I will say this. We're going to go, we're, we're going to approach the Scripture a little differently. And I want us to, I want us to go, go back and look, if you would, because, you know, when the Lord repeats the word, He's doing so to catch our attention. And there is a word here, I hope you picked it up as Bob read it, that was repeated several times. And we're going to look if we could in verse in, in verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Now look in verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ, say it with me, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of, say it again, reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was, here we go again, reconciling the word to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of what? Reconciliation. Therefore, when you see the word therefore, you're supposed to ask, what's that word therefore? All right, so here's what we're doing. The implications of this multiple use of reconciliation And the assignment that we are to be reconcilers as Christ was a reconciler comes out in verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. Do you hear that? We are ambassadors of Christ for the purpose of what? Reconciliation. And he makes his appeal to creation through us. This is an incredibly powerful truth that I believe is worthy of ending this series upon. We are ambassadors of reconciliation, representing Jesus Christ. Now, several years ago, when I was working on my doctorate back in the 80s, I had a, a unique opportunity Uh, I was in Washington, D.C., and I was doing some coursework up there. And this was in 1989. If you remember, I think it was May or June of 1989, something big happened in China. There was a revolution, the closest thing to freedom that they've experienced in a long, long time. And during this brief revolution, it all kind of culminated at a place called Tiananmen Square. And Tiananmen Square is where they kind of stood off against the, uh, the, the mighty Chinese military. And quite frankly, the Chinese military did what authoritarian regimes like Russia and North Korea and places like that commonly do. They crushed the opposition. They absolutely crushed it, literally, with tanks. They just ran over people. And they blanked out the, the media, uh, but reports were getting out. It was about this time that I got approval to go to the Chinese embassy in Washington, D.C. to interview them on their educational system. And this was, this, was, this was part of my getting my doctorate and so forth. And we had applied months in advance to be able to go. And, and so I can remember getting that approval. And, and the dean of the college that I was uh, enrolled in at the university where I was said, OK, you've been approved. Do you understand how amazing this is? You get to go into the Chinese embassy. You're going to be able to talk to the ambassador and his staff. You're going to be able to discuss these things, but here, I want you to understand something. Things are really tense right now. He said, "In fact, when you get ready to go into the ambassadorship, I want you uh, into the embassy, I want you to notice this: There's going to be a big semi-parked out front, and it'll probably be some kind of moving van, like a North American moving van." He goes, "They're not moving furniture in and out of the embassy. It's the CIA, And they are monitoring everything that's going on. He said, you just need to know this is how tense things are right now. It is so tense that they're not even covert on how they're approaching this. The CIA is right outside the door. And sure enough, when I drove up, you looked out there, and there was a moving van. It's a semi-truck. And uh, nobody going in and nobody going out. But obviously, there is something going on there. So anyway, I go inside, and I'm escorted into this big, beautiful uh, greeting hall that that has you know all kinds of Chinese tapestries and vases, and I guess if you're and that kind of, it's a Voss. But anyway, you know, the big the big uh, ceramic things that they have and, and, and so forth, and the escort descended before long, there was kind of a flurry, and some aides came in, and, and then came all the officials from the Chinese government with whom I was meeting and and, and at the interview. But one of the things they said is make sure you don't use the word Tiananmen. Don't let it fall out of your face, okay? Be very, very careful. Don't allude to it, you're here to talk about education. Please don't bring this up, it'll cause a problem. And sure enough, man, I had to keep the my P's and Q's, I wanted to graduate, right? So I had to make sure I, I did it right. But but when when I met the ambassador and I met what was you know that the team that was there, I and you know and I'm not a fan of Chinese except for Chinese food. All right, so I'm I, I, I'm there kind of in a in a tense situation, and immediately as I just went up there, the people were so warm. Can we have? Can, would you like some tea? And, and, and they said, what questions do you have? And they sat me down. And everything was just like, and, and outside, there's people spying on them. There's people dying in the streets. There's machine guns. There's heightened awareness. And, and yet, when I'm sitting across from the ambassador, those things moved away. And at that moment, he was doing his best to represent his government in a way that was pleasing and positive and encouraging and helpful and so forth and even in Mr. why? because that's what ambassadors do. ambassadors go about the work of reconciliation. Why would they even meet with me because they knew that they had a PR problem. They knew that there was issues going on between the countries that they needed to deal with. And they knew that every time they could win someone over, that 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 tension had the potential to turn into advocacy, and the relationship could be improved. Now, there's not a lot of similarities between what we do for Christ and what the Chinese ambassador did for for, um, the president of China at that time. I can't remember his name. But I will say this. There are some characteristics ambassadors I think that we need to know. Number one, they're appointed. They're appointed by the president. Every four or eight years, when a new president comes into office, all the ambassadors shift. And it is the prerogative of the new president to appoint who represents him and his administration and, by default, the government of the United States. They're appointed. Number two, they represent the state or the kingdom. They they represent the country that sent them, but more importantly, they represent the president. That sent them or the king or whoever the chief official is in that country. It is a diplomatic policy that they speak for the person in charge. The third thing is this, they're protected and covered by that state or kingdom. It is such that when I walked from the sidewalk through the gates into the Chinese embassy, it was legally as if I walked into the country of China And if you do that in a foreign country and you go to the American embassy, maybe you lose your passport or maybe you've got some questions about something. And you could be in in Italy or you could be in in South Africa. Wherever you're at, the moment that you walk from the sidewalk across the threshold of the gate into the compound, you are at that moment back on home soil. And so when, when you understand that, the protection, often you'll see United States Marines there. They bring the biggest and the baddest to protect, right? They got them there. Because why? They're defending U.S. territory, U.S. soil in in a legal sense. Number four, uh, they do not become citizens of the country where they serve. Just because you serve in another country, you do not become a citizen. In fact, you are by the most, every definition, but by the, the clearest definition, you're a foreigner, Because you literally represent another country. When I go to another country, I'm not representing them. Other than just because, you know, I'm an American citizen. I carry an American passport or whatever. But I'm I'm certainly not representing the guys in Washington. If so, they really don't want me doing that, okay? I'm going to be really bad at it. Uh, But no, if you are an ambassador, you do represent them. And you do not have to become a citizen of where you live. You are a foreigner in a strange land. Number five, they do not speak for themselves, but he who sent them. All right? They speak speak for the person who sent them, and that in this case for Americans would be the United States president, or in the case of of when I was doing Chinese, he was speaking for the Chinese government. He was speaking for the central committee, and he was speaking for the president of that committee. Number six, they're always on duty. They're always on duty. They cannot afford to forget that. That's why it's considered really poor form for a person um, who's an ambassador, even on the ambassadorial staff, to, to have any kind of relationship with with, with uh, the people of the nation that, uh, that they're, they're uh, visiting. And you say, why is that? Because relationships create complications. They have to remain at arm's length. They have to remain distance. And while they're there to serve, they're there to serve the king first. And while they're there to enjoy, because everybody likes to enjoy what they do, right? They're there to serve the king or the president or the prime minister or whoever it is first. They're always on duty 24-7-365. And finally, they're servants not celebrities, they're servants, not celebrities. Uh, who arguably is our greatest ally in the United States? Uh, let's or to the United States. I'm going to say Great Britain. All right. Who is the United States ambassador to Great Britain? Anybody know? Didn't think so. All right. Uh, what's another? What's, an, what's an, another great? Canada. Canada is a great ally, right? So who is the United States ambassador to to Canada? Anybody know? I was afraid somebody was related to them and was going to shout it out, and this is going to wreck this illustration, but, but no, you don't know that. Why? You know why? Because they're servants. They're not celebrities. Now, I can tell you the names of the senators for the state of North Carolina. I can tell you the name of the president and the vice president. I can tell you the speaker of the house and president of the senate. I can tell you all kinds of people who were in authority and who represent us at several different levels who are who are a part of this, but most of us unless you have some kind of personal relationship or, or something with them, you don't know the name of maybe even a single ambassador. Uh, you know, I can think of myself as pretty well-read and halfway educated. I, I sat trying to think of the name. I can remember some former ambassador, Shirley Temple Black. I remember that one. And some guy out of Utah. I remember that guy. But I, other than that, I can't remember hardly any. Why? Because that's not their job. It's not about them. It's about the nation they represent. However, if somebody walked into the service this morning, and introduced himself, and they said, hey, my name's John Smith. And uh, by the way, I used to be the ambassador of the United States to uh, to Timbuktu. Now, Timbuktu isn't exactly a great country, right? It's not even a country at all. But if he said that, immediately I would say, oh, very pleasant, very pleased to meet you. Why? Because just that title, ambassador, causes me to have some respect. Because not of them, they can be dumb as a box of rocks for all I know. But because of who they represent. Do You see where I'm going with this? When Jesus called us to be ambassadors of reconciliation, this is a high, holy, important, strategic assignment. And it's one that I don't think we pay enough attention to, quite frankly, in terms of how we live out our faith and how we live out the Christian walk. So... Why should we be interested in being ambassadors of reconciliation? Why should this be important to us? All right, so we've looked at the assignment. That was in the last half. Now we're going to go up to the front. All right? And this was the case that was being made here by Paul to the church. And and, and he said, I'm going to give you an assignment. But before I give you the assignment, let me tell you why the assignment's important. In fact, let me tell you why there's an assignment at all. And when it comes right down to it, without the cross, there would have been no assignment. Without the cross, there would have been no ambassadorships to offer. Without the cross, there would have been no, get this now, there would have been no ministry of reconciliation to be conducted. And it is because of the cross we have been called to this role. So why should we be interested in it? Why is it possible? Why is it important? Well, let's go back and begin looking at verse 11, eight, or 11, looking at the first part. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Now, he's not told them ambassadors' job is to persuade, right? They're to persuade why the American way is the best way. They're to persuade why why, why, why the president needs to be listened to during this time. All right? That's the purpose. So why are you and I in the ministry, the business of persuading others? Because we know the fear of the Lord. We know God. We know what he's capable of. We know what his values are. We know what his priorities are. If you're a believer, if you're a real believer, these things are known to you known to you. So when we see that phrase, knowing the fear of the Lord, and by the way, sometimes we look at this term fear of the Lord and, and we focus on the word fear. Like we have this really hang up about this. The fear of the Lord is simply this. We know his power. We know his respect. We know his character. We know, we know his reputation. We know his values. We know what's important to him. We know how good he is. We know his, 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 his attributes. We know this about him. And as such, we know he's worthy of exaltation. He is worthy of respect. He is worthy of obedience. He is worthy of our sacrifice. We know this to be true. And in that, that, what do you call it, fear or respect or reverence or whatever moniker you want to put on it, it puts him up here in a category unlike anybody else. So because we know God, we are good positions to be ambassadors. We're in good position to be ambassadors. Have you ever known somebody who knew somebody very powerful? And often what we do is we say, well, tell me more. What's they, what are they really like? Where do they live? What do they drive? What do they have to teach kids? What are they like in private? Why do we want to know that? Because we assume that somebody who knows them well <clears throat> and has been in their proximity understands and has knowledge of. And here's the cool thing. I've loved it when I've met somebody who knew somebody well-known, and they say, oh, man, i got to tell you, you think they're great in public, wait till you get to know them in private. They are the real deal. They are amazing. What you see in public is just a tiny view of how wonderful this person, they're kind, they're generous, they're whatever. And when you see it, it's kind of like, because almost our expectation is the opposite anymore, isn't it? I mean, I'm so cynical, you know, anytime I see somebody famous, I always say, well, when are they going to be in the headlines, you know? You know, whether we're talking about politicians or preachers, it still applies, right? You, you know, you read the newspapers too, right? And so, so, but however, we know this. We know God, and we know he is good all the time. We know that he is faithful all the time. We know that he is just all the time. We know that he loved us so much he sent his son for us. We know that he's so powerful that his son rose from the dead. We know that his promises is so sure that we're staking our entire future on it. We know this about God. Therefore, we are well-equipped. Well-equipped to serve as his ambassadors. Then look at the second thing <clears throat> in verse 12. <clears throat> we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. He's saying now, so what, what is this talking about? Let me tell you, this is talking about the body. His body. He's saying this, look, we know each other. You know, what I'm telling you here, We can, all day long we can, we can sing his praise. It's not about me, it's about him. And our love for the body says, what can we do to serve the one we all love together? The one we, that we want to build up together. The one that we believe in. And folks, when we come together as a body to represent Christ, as the ambassadorship of Christ, it frightens Satan. It challenges the world. And so this isn't about, hey, look at me, but it's look at him. This isn't even about look at us, but look at him. But you understand when we get together and we assume our roles before Christ, that the world will be, can be, and should be rattled. It can be. And folks, that is our opportunity. And by the way, I got to tell you this. I'm so excited right now, I can hardly sleep. I, I met with Mike Seferin <clears throat> this week, who's, who's one of our shepherding elders, but he's he's worked with our our, our, uh, our finances for years. I just get off, I got off this month-long trip with, with, with uh, uh, Bob Williamson, and, 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 and during that time, you know, we had a lot of downtime and travel time and weird time that, you know, just, you know, we were waiting for stuff, and buses are broken down, we're sitting out there watching turkeys, and all kinds of weird things going on, and, and so we could talk about all these things, and we kept talking about the future of life, and what life could do, and here's an opportunity that Life Fellowship could be involved in, and when I talk with Craig and our other elders, and, and but more than that, you know what, when I talk to you, When I talk to you, Got a text this morning from Dan and Linda Reppert, who are representing Life Fellowship this morning at Open Doors, where, where there's this this, this this huge conference going on for missions, and they're so excited and say, "I met this person. This is going to be a great opportunity for the church, and this is going to be so cool that you know the church could do this, and 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 so forth." And and we're <clears> having <throat> we have, a, we have a, a missions meeting to talk about some things that that we picked up in India. Had dinner Wednesday or Monday night with a group of businessmen are coming together, and and we're going to present a challenge to the church to get involved in northern india in a state that's so dark that two weeks ago they closed a big church there and 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 put locks on the doors and accused them of trying to convert people to jesus well yeah that's what churches do and they put locks on the door and put the pastor into prison and you know what our response to that is let's double down and see how many people that we can pump in there That's what the body of Christ does when we represent the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The American ambassador does not stand before any president or any king and tremble. Why? Because he knows he serves The American president and the American people. And ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the Church of Jesus Christ to gather in unity and to stand before the ambassadors of Satan and those who would oppose the gospel and stump our feet and stand up tall and say, We will win. We will win. We will share the good news. The battle's already been won. We are going to give and we're going to sacrifice and we're going to serve and we're going to live righteously and we're going to pick ourselves up when we make mistakes and we're going to admit it when we sin and we're going to love on people who everybody else don't, doesn't look to. And we're going to represent our King and our Lord until the day he calls us home. That's ambassadorship. That's ambassadorship. You say, well, do ambassadors ever pay a price? Ask the guy that a few years ago, and I can't remember what country it was. Somebody help me. Got dragged through the streets. Benghazi. What country was that? Ah, Can't remember it. I hate it. I have a birthday this week. I'm going to blame it on that. All right. But the guy who was the ambassador, you know what they ended up doing? They dragged his body through the streets. Oh, yeah. Every once in a while, we've got to be martyred. Every once in a while, we pay the price. And, oh, yeah, the American government eventually takes care of those kind of things, often with a stream of jets or bombs and so forth. Uh, but you understand, being an ambassador is a risky job. You're on hostile territory. But you know what? We love each other, and we support each other. And also, we love the downtrodden. We love the broken. We love the, we love the forgotten. And we love the people who are separated from Christ. And that calls us to represent the king correctly and rightly and proudly and bravely and sacrificially. And that brings us to verse 13. It's a cool verse. You're going to have to unpack this verse. But it says this. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Now, I got to tell you, I read that and I read it again. I read it again. I put it aside and read it again the next day. That, that's a complicated verse. So I had to do some, some word study on it. And <clears throat> I can't get into it too long because I'm an egghead and I'll bore you to death. But, but <laughs> here's where we come. It uh, comes right down to it. This phrase, th- this phrase goes to whether or not we're of a sound mind. The phrase here that, that, that we have in verse 13, if we are beside ourselves, is used one other time in the book of Mark. And in the book of Mark, there was a situation where some, some of the family of Jesus was looking at him and, and, and basically saying, have you lost your mind? <laughs> have you lost your senses? Do you really think you're the son of God? And, 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 and this phrase here literally com- comes from that. And, and here's the conclusion, all right? Uh, yeah, we know what's right. We know what's true. And yes, we're of a sound mind. We fully believe because we fully know the truth. And and this is very important. One of the reasons that we can be ambassadors for Christ is simply because we believe this stuff. We believe this stuff. How would you like to be the ambassador from Russia right now? Either you're a maniacal, maniacal, that's not a word, maniacal, thank you, Dan. You are a maniacal, blind, evil, wicked, totalitarian, fool, or you realize you're working for one right now if you're the ambassador to Russia. And yet their job is to represent this idiot. This mean, vicious guy who is bombing women and children and leveling cities with a smile on your face and confidence in your voice saying, this is just, this is right, it's okay. I don't know how somebody like that can sleep at night, right? But here's our situation. We serve a good God, a benevolent God, a loving God, a God who died for us. A God who is the difference between eternal life and eternal death. One who has all power and all knowledge and is present everywhere. Stop and think about this, folks. We got the easiest job in the world. Because we care about truth and we know the truth and we serve the truth. So whether or not you reject the gospel is not on me. I got the truth. I represent the truth. He is the truth. So you can reject me if you want to, but bigger yet, you've got more problems, son. You are rejecting the truth. We are of sound mind. Oh, the world says we're crazy. We are of sound mind. We haven't lost our senses. We are of sound mind because ultimately we believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit. We can go through the entire Apostles' Creed and then we stand and declare it one more time. We believe. And if you don't, you got to ask yourself, well, what do you believe? What do you believe? Because we care about the truth. That makes our ambassadorship even more important. Number four. Sorry, I got to rush. We're grateful to the Savior, is another reason. Looking for 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Now stop and think about this. The love of Christ controls us. I I actually like what what the, uh, the King James says there. It says constrains. The love of Christ constrains. It controls. It dominates. It holds authority over. That's what this word means. It is not the fear of hell that gives us authority this morning. Is hell real? Yes. Am I afraid of it? You bet. But that's not what keeps me in the ambassador's office. That's not what makes me want to serve him. You say, well, is it riches? (laughs) No. I don't have riches here. And I don't even, I won't even care about riches there. It's not riches that motivates me. Well well, 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 is it because you want your self-esteem pumped up? Have you been a Christian in today's world? <laughs> Not exactly good for your self-esteem at times. Sometimes it feels like you're on an island. Sometimes you will suffer for the name of Christ. So, so what is it? Oh, you know what it is? He loves me, and I love him. He loved me enough to die for me. Nobody, else has, nobody has even come close to loving me. Like that. My wife loves me. She has to stick, stick with me for 38 years. And I believe, you know, there's not anything you can say to me that make me question whether or not my wife loves me. It just, you know, there's just nothing you can say. I'm as confident in that. But as sure as I am, my wife loves me. I'm a thousand times more sure God loves me. The things he has done, the things he has done, To ensure that I have eternal life and I can be with him. Wow. You want me to be an ambassador, Lord? How honored that you've asked me and found me worthy, not because of me, but because of what you've done in me. It would be my pleasure. I would love to serve as your representative. Which brings me to the next thing. If you love him, you want to live for him. Look in verse 15. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. You see, love is never the stopping point. Love is the road that we travel down. Love is the lubrication, love is the sense of mission, love is the motivation. And living my life for him is a natural expression, a natural consequence of our love for Christ. I'm at that stage in life where I'm planning my estate. Got that little wake-up call about 15 months ago, 16 months ago, and realized, well, man, you ain't going to live forever, right? So I've been working on it. It's taken me about a year and a half to get it done. And I got to tell you, some people look at that and they say, oh, that's really, uh, that's morbid. I've had the best time. I really have. I've enjoyed it. And you know why? Because I want what God has given me here to live longer than me. And so as I plan my estate and look at my insurance and different things and so forth and talk to attorneys, whatever, I have found a way to bless my children, my grandchildren. But I have found a way the Blessed Life Fellowship Church and my missionary team in Cuba and these people that have poured their lives into me, their ministries and these people that I poured my life into them and I want them to continue and I have found all these different ways and, and, and you know, we all die. But at some point we stop and say, what do you want to leave behind? You know what you want to leave behind? Something that will bless the ones you love. That you love. And if you love the Lord's work, today, tomorrow, and forever ought to be about how can I live for him? How can I make a difference? What do I leave behind? What is going to be my legacy? What are they going to write on my tombstone? What are they going to remember about me? Is it going to be what I possessed? Or is it going to be about what possessed me? And I really want it to be the latter. And then finally, looking to view it in verse 18. We serve him because it was directed by Christ. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled to us himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He wanted us to be his representative, it is ordered and directed by Christ. And I missed number six. I'm going to go back to number six. Sorry, folks. Number six is because we care about non-believers. Because we care about non-believers. If you look in verse 16, verse 17, for now on, therefore, regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. He's not living here. He's in heaven. He's a spirit now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old one has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We look at each other and we see him in the flesh. But you remember this, that's not what is dealt with forever. That body, that tent, gets eventually put off, buried, burned, or something. But that there's something that lives forever. And folks, we care about that. We know where believers go, but there's still a message that needs to be delivered to non-believers. And when you care about non-believers, you want them to understand the hope that is in Christ. You want them to understand that. Years ago, I went to Albania right after communism fell. There was an ambassador there, but there was very little staff. There were very few people there the building was one that they just basically commandeered and bought real quick and set up and there was poor security and all kinds of things that was going on there and I had the opportunity to interact with the embassy quite a bit because again we were so early there and we were involved in a lot of, of, of work rescuing orphans and and, and so forth uh, but but the, the, the thing about it the thing that that I remembered is we were there because we cared <laughs> we weren't there because we wanted to be comfortable it was a it was a horrible country it was horrible poor incredibly poor broken after 40 years of communist dictatorship nobody owned a car let alone a toilet you know i mean it was it was, it was a mess but we were there because we cared about the people i had a friend who went to albania and now 35 years later and they told me you wouldn't recognize that country it's amazing the economy's doing this and the buildings i couldn't even find myself you know what has trans- transformed well they they've <laughs> they've adopted a lot of western values quite frankly when you go to hostile areas, it's discouraging at first, but when you see the transformative work of the gospel in people's lives, then it encourages you. It encourages you. It gives you hope and it gives you purpose and it gives you fulfillment and meaning. And so we go because we care about non believers, and we go because Christ said, Go, you're my ambassador. You don't tell the president, you know what, i got other things I want to do. I don't want to be your ambassador. No. If you decide to decline, you better have a really, really good reason. Otherwise, it is not good form and it is not looked upon pleasantly. But if Jesus asks you, what else could we say but yes, Lord? And the fact is, he's asked every one of us to be his ambassadors. There are no exemptions. We all are to be those. So. Where should our look at the cross lead us now that the 40 days and 40, or eight weeks are finished? Well, very quickly, let me give you these thoughts. Number one, may the symbol of the cross have a deeper meaning to each of us. I, I pray this. I pray that the next time you put on that little cross necklace or you have it on your keychain, or you see it on a wall or you see it over there or you see it up here or you see it anywhere that all of a sudden you'll say, hey, you know what? <laughs> I look at that differently now. Our, you know, we studied it for eight weeks. And maybe it'll cause you just to reflect for a little bit on it, which brings me to number two. May when we see the cross, may we appreciate the victory that was won on the cross for our reconciliation. Let that cross remind you that you are now reconciled with him. Feel the identity that comes with the cross. Feel that. In fact, when you see the cross, you ought to feel, personalized. That cross was for me. If for nobody else, it was for you. Let, that, let the power of that reality brand itself on your heart. Third thing, it ought to impact our worship. It ought to wake our make our worship be more genuine and vibrant. When we sing victory in Jesus, that was an oldie but goodie, wasn't it, this morning? We kicked off with that, and if you were late, you missed it. And man, we kicked it with that song. I love that song. My dad, that was his favorite song. He used to sing that song on the top of his... He loved it so much when he died. That was, that was his first song we picked for his funeral. Victory in Jesus. When you see a cross, let it stir you to worship. You say, well, I'm not in church. So you can worship wherever you're at. Just stop and thank him for what he did on the cross. Fourth thing, may we be more deeply devoted to the sacrifice of giving and serving because of the cross why because that's what ambassadors do you stop your job and you serve (laughs) you give of yourself you sacrifice you move out of your comfort zone you're restrained and constrained why because I love my president I love my country I'm serving them as an ambassador so if you love God and you love truth Why should we not be motivated to be deeply devoted and sacrificial in how we give and serve and worship and everything else? Number five, may the sight of the cross evoke in us a desire to see the Savior now and in the future. May looking at the cross stir in us this moment where we say, can't wait to be home, cannot wait to see my King, cannot wait for that moment when face to face we will be with Jesus. I told you earlier, I'm encouraged right now. And you know why I'm encouraged? Because it's spring and I love spring. (laughs) I'm encouraged because I think the pandemic is gone. I'm encouraged because I believe God has something good for us in the future. I'm encouraged because I see storm clouds of opposition coming and i know that in that moment god will reveal himself powerful and faithful and i like to see that part of god i'm encouraged because of what i see at life fellowship church i want you to know that you know sometimes we don't tell you that enough and it's it's kind of like at home you know you love your wife you love your husband you love your kids And yet we talk nicer to our dog or our cat than we do them sometimes. We do. You know, my dog comes, oh, hey, there's Bo Boy. I my little Bo Biscuit. Oh, I love my Bo, 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 Bo. You know, I'm like, that's kind of weird, isn't it? You know, I'm an old guy talking to my dog. Like, I walk in the house and my wife says, how's your day? Oh, typical. Well, what'd you do? Same stuff. We could do tomorrow more. (laughs) What's wrong with me? Seriously, what's wrong with me? I love, though, what I'm seeing now in this church, and I want you to know that. Ben and I talked about it this week. talked about it with some of our elders a week ago, and we're actually going to talk about it again tomorrow night. I want you to know there are signs of growth and progress and encouragement and discipleship and ministry and outreach and sacrifice and giving and sharing and loving, and it's all over the place. I love the fact that last week I was standing out there in that lobby right on that side and this little kid who I just love to death, he is such a cranky he got these big old glasses. His name's Caleb Barker. Caleb comes running up to me and he's he's always giving me nonsense. Just gives me nonsense. And I just love that. I think he's about five or six years old. And we're talking about and goes, I'm getting ready to win something from the store over at Life or at, at, at Kid Life. And I said, Really, what are you gonna do? He said, I'm working on a million points. I said, what are you going to do when you get a million points? He said, I get a hundred dollar gift card. And I said, that's a lot of money. And I said, what are you going to do with that hundred dollar gift card? And he said, I'm going to give it away. Well, I said, how come you're going to give it away? And he said, because, and here's the story. There's another guy in kid life whose name is Nathan Morais, and Nathan is a couple years older than him, and he has won six gift cards. He wins a million points. How do you win points? You memorize scripture, you bring your Bible, you're faithful in attendance, you bring friends and so forth. He's won his million points six times, and he gets a $100 gift card every time. It's our way of just encouraging kids to do the right thing, establish patterns and so forth, and he's done it six times, and he said, I'm getting a $100 gift card because I'm going to give it to the benevolence fund. And his act of ambassadorship motivated a younger kid. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. Say, do we really need $100 in in benevolence? We got it covered. But you know what we need to do? We need to give. And he's learning that sacrificially. And I got to tell you, if a six-year-old and a nine-year-old can do it, then I can do it too. I see that and I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. If you ever drive by here on a Saturday morning, I think they're over now, but, but it was just a few weeks ago. You walk on here, there'd be 400 people all over this campus. You say, "What in the world's going on here?" I didn't even see it in the service. It's not. We got Bob Weber and his wife, who have for years had this thing where they call Pee Wee Soccer, and they invite all kinds of folks to come and they and they teach them soccer skills. Those kids are five years old. They can't play soccer. I was getting ready to say an anti-soccer remark, but we now have a professional team, and somebody may work for it, and I don't want to get a nasty email, but I'm not into soccer. But you know what I am into? I'm into little kids coming and hearing a Bible story every Saturday because that's what happens. And, And by the way, Bob's not on staff. Bob's not an elder here. You know what Bob is? He's an ambassador of reconciliation is what he is, and he's bringing kids here, and he sets up the cones, and he recruits the workers, and he finances the expenses, and he invites the kids, and there are Mormon kids here, and Jehovah Witnesses kids here, and unbelievers kids here. All kinds of kids here. And they're coming and they're playing soccer and they get to hear a Bible story. And maybe some of them might be here this morning, your mom and dad. And if you're here, welcome. We're glad you're here. I hope you came because somebody was an ambassador of reconciliation. We want you to meet our head coach. He's awesome. I look at our teenagers. I love you guys. Man, you drive me nuts and I love you so much. <laughs> but I was talking to Jason this week and talked to him again this morning about all the teenagers we've got in, in production and, and and on on. on, on the platform anymore, and I just I just love that. I love Andrew shoemate. Is he in here? There he is right there, man, I love that kid. I've known him since he was wearing pampers. I do that just because I just love embarrassing him in public so. Man, I love that kid. You know what he wants to do? He wants to serve Jesus all his life. He is headed for ministry. Sits in my, in, in my uh, young adult's uh, Bible study, and he was sharing that the other night. Man, I love that kid. And you know what? I'll, I love uh, Zane. Mazing. I think he's in the back. He's the, he's the big, tall guy. He's, I think he's only 15 or 16 years old. He's bigger than I am. And he, play, he plays the bass guitar. Lives down the street for me. What a great guy! His mom and dad go to this church, and what what an amazing young man he is. And and John Paul, who I think is sitting right back there in the in the back room, and he's doing something behind the com- computers. And I've watched him grow up. And and we got a couple of Daniels: Daniel Gonzalez and and and, and Daniel uh, Doug and Patty's grandson of, uh, Phillips. And what what a great guy he is. And and he served. He's always here on campus doing something or the other. We got Peyton, who's up here with her, her big old boot singing, but you know that's that's all right. I'm glad. And she broke it playing soccer or something or whatever. I love Peyton. And, and man, I can just go name after name after name after name of all the young people we've got that are serving Jesus. And I say, they're ambassadors already. Would to God I was that kind of ambassador when I was their age. And yet we've got a mighty flock emerging in this church. Man, I'll tell you somebody else I love, I love Jared and Grace Grenfield. Jared and Grace, they serve on this team and so forth. And uh, a couple of years ago, I tried to start a life group and it, it was way too broad and so forth. So they took the top half of it and now their life group's bigger than my life group. And they got all the older singles in it. And then you know what? The other night after we did our walk through the uh, through the garden uh, thing, they all gathered out here on the field and they had their guitars and they were singing and there was a whole big bunch of them. And they're just worshiping and praising the Lord. you know why? Because Jared and his wife are ambassadors of reconciliation and they're pointing people to Jesus. And then, and then, and then I look at Mike and Jen Seferin and, and the Kozlowskis and they've got the young adults. And about a year and a half, two years ago, I looked across and I realized we were missing 20 and 30 somethings in this church that our leadership had kind of grown older and we were missing that important age bracket and I, and I, I look out and, 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 and I said, what are we going to do? We started praying and, and, and Jen and, and, and Mike stepped up and they took this group and they started off with like five or six couples and now they got over 30 young people who are young in their marriage, and newly married, or just almost nearly married, and, and so forth, and they're meeting together, and they hang out in the parking lot after church, and I watch, we're out in the lobby, and they watch, them. and they're such fine young people, and why is that? Because they have leadership who are ambassadors of reconciliation. I look at Brad and Ed, who are teaching Revelation every week in our Bible, and the people come in, and they open their Bibles, and they study one of the hardest books of the Bible, so faithfully, and, and other Bible studies. Throughout the week, I look at our ladies' ministry, and, and think about people like Jerry Lutzel, and, and, and Heather Allen, and Melanie Barker and, and 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 Patty Dunham and, and so many others I, I shouldn't be mentioning names because I'm going to leave somebody out and I apologize when I do but I got to tell you these ladies are open here and you walk through this this office on Tuesdays and you see dozens and dozens of women and 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 they're and they're opening their Bible and 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 they're reading and I, then I look at the, the the greeters out front and 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 I and I see you know say Chip and, and his wife and 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 the Dyserts and and so many others are out there every Sunday faithfully saying hey are you new here? Is this your first time? And, 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 and they come in, and they're representatives. They're ambassadors of reconciliation. I walk through the kid life, and I see people who have served year after year after year after year, and they love those kids, and the kids grow up, and they take a new flock, and they raise them up as well. And how much I love them, and Manny and his team, and, and Tom Porter, who, as at an age in life where he, quite frankly, could have just retired, and now he's joined our team here, and uh, just kind of a volunteer part-time type uh, thing. He doesn't he didn't need us, but, boy, we've needed him, and what a great job he does, and, and he cares about men's lives, and he cares about excellence, and, and I, I see this, and Doug and Patty Dunham, and they're here all the time, and, and they're serving, and, and I could just go on and on and on and on. This room's filled with ambassadors, filled with ambassadors, and the best is yet to come. This cross calls us to the ministry of reconciliation. Aren't you glad to be part of Of America, the strongest nation in the world? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. I mean, I'd rather be that than some other country, right? But aren't you glad to be a part of the kingdom of God? whose king lifted us up out of our depravity and our brokenness and our damnation. And he died for us so that we could be reconciled with our heavenly father. And today he calls us to a life of meaning and a life of purpose and a life of reconciliation. And his request to us is while you're still here, while you're still working out your salvation, while you're still being constrained by my love, while you're still here and not in eternity, will you do one thing for me? Will you represent me well? in the job of reconciliation. And we have been called to point others to him. Let the cross remind us to do just that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. It is finished. The work on the cross and this sermon series and this last sermon. So what are you going to do? How about being an ambassador?